time for another episode of Reboot Ed, the podcast where we talk about big ideas and issues in education and hardly ever come up with any answers. I'm your co-host, Andrew Schwab, another Schwab on Twitter, and I am joined, as always, by Mike Vollmer. Hey, Mike. Good afternoon. Hey, happy Father's Day. Ah, yeah, same to you. Same to you. Yeah. Do anything special today? Uh, hung out with my daughter a little bit, um, but no, nothing special, just a very quiet Sunday at home. Yep. I made breakfast. That's about as special as it got. <laughs> and we went to the bookstore and we look we looked at houses because we're house shopping. So Oh, I thought you'd find anyway. one. Oh, oh no. Well we're, we're in topic. the middle. And I and okay. I did this for my kid. Since we're gonna talk about devices today, I thought I'd share. This is uh this is oh, used cool. to be used to be a Chromebook. Now it's a flower book. So it's just an Acer skin. Nice for my daughter. Yes, pink, pink and flowers. That was a request. So the one problem with having Chromebooks in the house is they all look the same. So you need to figure out whose is who. So now we know this one is well, not mine. But you know that's actually um, that's a good point because if you have an entire classroom full of Chromebooks and they're all laying out on desks, they all look the same. And it's been yeah, interesting. Some teachers have uh, printed out the. Uh, the student photograph from uh, the student information system and cut it out and just kind of pasted it on the case. Some teachers have put numbers on them, all kinds of schemes for doing it. But I like the skins. That's cool. Let kids personalize it. Yeah, I think um, especially as you look to go to a one-to-one kind of take-home or it's, it's their primary device all the time and it's assigned to them, I think customizing makes sense. Yeah. Um, and at the least, I think, because we're looking at doing uh, carts in the classrooms initially. Right. That's what and we're we did. Def- yeah, we're going to need some way to identify, you know, even if it's just numbers on the outside. We, When I did netbooks and we did netbook carts in the classroom, we basically just did the Avery labels with numbers and then realized mm-hmm. that those, peel, you know, they, they wear off pretty quick. And so then started doing the clear packing tape over them to, to make them stick a little longer. So Right. And that's the logistics. The, yeah, the best one I saw, I really liked um, a, a few of our teachers who, um, I mean, it's laborious because you got to print out the student pictures and then cut them out and then uh, use some a, a chunk of clear packing tape to, like, tape it to the to the outside of the case. Um, but having the yeah, kids picture like right there works really yeah. well. Yep, and then you know who's, whose it is. and I mean, the one of the nice things about a Chromebook versus you guys have Ubermix. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk at devices today, right? This is our device episode since. Right. Hey, summer's here. We got to talk about the money we're going to spend. It's time to start buying stuff. Um, one of the things about Chromebooks is it's not a, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one device. You know, it can be a one-to-many device. And, and the benefit of it is right. any student can log in any device and get their stuff. So it doesn't necessarily have to be their device. That's true. That's true. Which, which can be a drawback as well. And, you know, that's one of the advantages of Ubermix is you actually do have um, the capability to, to locally store stuff and work on stuff. So let's talk devices. Um, you yeah. at your district are doing something completely different from what I am doing at my district. And maybe we can talk about why and what are some of the decisions that we've come to yeah. or inherited in my case. Well, you inherited some stuff, yeah. Um, and, you know, there were a, 
fortuitous concurrence of circumstances that let us kind of step into a little more uh, innovative approach um, because we didn't have any, we didn't have anything that we inherited. Um, we, we could kind of take a, a look at things from scratch in terms of kids. Cause when I first started in my district, there were just a few hundred desktop computers around, um, all aging, all in subpar sort of condition in terms of what we saw. So, you know, we had a chance almost with a clean slate to say, let's look at what we need. Let's talk about what we're about. Um, and, and, and we really had a chance to make a, a clean break from any sort of tradition because what we had really wasn't adequate and everybody agreed. So, you know, there were no, there were no uh, skeletons in the closet or, you know, initiatives that had already gotten a little bit of traction. And that, that was kind of a, a cool thing to, to start from uh, almost like starting from scratch. So it, it it did give us an advantage in terms of the direction that we took. You mean you didn't just go out and start buying Chromebooks left and right or iPads left and right because that's what everybody else was doing? Um, no, uh, we didn't. Um, we, we had we had some very focused conversations, and and I'm really kind of proud of of the entire leadership team and and the teachers and staff because. Um, in spite of the fact that there was a lot of this that was very new territory and a lot of this that, you know, wasn't stuff that, you know, a typical teacher or non tech person really understood. Um, we were able to, to really have some conversations and focus on, on some agreements about what we wanted to do. And, and, and then it was a matter of, okay, let's find the devices that'll do what we want to do. And then let's agree that we're going to get the one that is the lowest cost, um, or has the lowest total cost of ownership um, that'll accomplish what we want to do. And everybody agreed. So right off the bat, uh, you know, Max, in spite of the fact that 10 years ago, the district was all Max, everybody agreed that even though we'd like to have Max because people were comfortable with them, didn't meet the criteria. They're, they're just too expensive. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody agreed that um, Windows wasn't anything that we absolutely had to be married to. Um, and when we started looking at, at Ubermix, you know, a Linux-based system that, that really is optimized for kids in educational environments, um, not everybody understood it, but they could agree that, hey, this is, this is something that we should definitely take a serious look at. Um, and once it took off, it really took off. People saw that it was a great, a great way to go. When, when a teacher doesn't have two to five Windows-based devices that are either running updates or they're not working or they're corrupted or something's going on, when all 32 devices boot up every morning and they all work and everything's fine, and if there is a glitch because a kid was messing with something, all they have to do is basically restart the machine and hit a keystroke and it'll reset itself in 20 seconds. They just loved it. Um, and we have teachers now that want Ubermix on their machine. It's like, Hey, the kids get all this stuff. Why can't we get this stuff? So it's been cool. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think 
starting from scratch was a big help, or at least being at a point where Very you really have to reevaluate everything. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and and part of that too was that we had already made the break when we were talking about devices. We had already made the break from Microsoft Office. Um, and On the student and I think side or staff as well. Both. Um, both. Yeah, uh, so we had, you, you we had gone radical there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was that was a function uh, with teachers, which we we actually got new teacher devices before we got student devices, and we we implemented um, our our GAF environment, Google environment, at the same time. And the argument was we we had a specific amount of money that we could spend on buying teacher devices. Um, if I added the cost of Microsoft Office to the cost of the device that we had settled on, we didn't have the budget for it. So it was okay, we don't get a device, or we get a device but we use something instead of Microsoft Office and everybody agreed we had to have a new device. Uh, so we went without Microsoft Office and it was a tough transition for a lot of folks for a while, but now we're completely Google and except for special ed because of our SELPA uh, requiring um, DOCX fillable forms for some of the special ed documentation they have to provide back to the, to the SELPA. Um, nobody's using Office anymore. Yeah, it does seem like the state is one obstacle from completely moving away from Microsoft Office. They, they continue to yeah. Um, send documents well, or require documents in, in office format. I'm, I, I'm at the, yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm beginning to, to be vocal about that being an unfunded mandate, which is illegal in the state of California. Can't have a unfunded mandate in California. So I'm, I'm going to basically spout that, you know, if the state makes us have Microsoft office, then they should provide it for us. Um, well, but I need they're going to give us, like, what, what, $70 more per, per student to implement Common Core? Maybe that maybe that should be part of that. No, because that $70 per student to implement Common Core is our K1 and 2 one-to-one uh, -one devices. So, oh, yeah. We, no, well, it's not like they're, they're providing gonna, any money dedicated to technology in any way, shape, or form. So. No, they're not. Um, and you get all that Microsoft voucher money. You can buy Microsoft products with it, kind of complete the circle. Yeah, you can also buy um, Microsoft-like products with it, um, and uh, so that's or use free, and then use the money to send teachers to professional development. That works too. Yes, or use it to pay for your Microsoft-like software, like your student information system, oh, and yes. then take the money that was budgeted for the SIS and throw it in with the general. Uh, half of the Microsoft voucher money and now you've got money to buy new devices for teachers which is half of what I wanted to talk about today because that's sort of the bugaboo that we've got is uh, trying to create a, an environment for teachers where they have some choice in what kind of device they get. Well how do you do that? I know so I know for example there's a district up north where they let the teacher pick Windows, Mac, I don't know if there's any other options but that's pretty much it. Yeah, maybe Chromebook. Oh yeah, my my previous district, they just did a teacher thing last year, and they they basically said Mac, Windows, Chromebook, pick. 
Yeah, and what we're looking at is um, Macs off the table because they're just too expensive. I don't, I don't have eleven hundred dollars per teacher. I've only got about five. Yeah, they're a little so, more expensive now than eleven hundred. I'm finding out. Uh, but, okay. but you know, the model that we're looking at is um, Chromebook, Ubermix um, device, or uh, an Ultrabook running Windows. Um, if you get the Chromebook or the Ubermix device, we can throw an iPad Mini in there that you can use as your document camera and, you know, a personal sort of media consumption device. Um, carry that around instead of uh, even a smaller laptop that you need. Not an Acer tablet or an Android tablet of some type? <sighs> We're live, right? <laughs> we are live. Uh, Why? Okay. Go, I'll say it. Um, I, I would have absolutely no qualms pushing for an Android device um, simply because they're cheaper, um, but it's the, the Kool-Aid is just too sweet, and people want iPads. It's yes, true. Most, Nobody wants an Android tablet, unfortunately. No, Not if they can get an iPad. It's the most irrational thing I've ever seen. I, I, I don't get it, um, but I'm... Everything done, about Apple I'm, products is irrational. You haven't figured that one out yet? No, I have. Uh, there, there is a benefit, though, and I, I haven't, because I, I, you know, the... The Apple mirroring technology is is pretty powerful stuff. It is, um, and and there's definitely an argument for that. Um, there's nothing on the Android side, at least yet. Um, you know, Chromecast isn't up to snuff. It doesn't it, it doesn't cut it. It's not comparable to Apple TV. Um, but having some sort of uh, wireless streaming to a display is a very useful tool. And right now, you're right. Apple's got that down better than anyone. Yeah, and I can't believe I'll say this out loud, but I did see the Surface Pro demonstrated with the Wide-Eye technology. And it actually worked. I mean, it looked pretty seamless. But the challenge there is you're in Surface Pro territory at 1200 bucks a unit anyway. So it's really if you've a practical got, solution. Yeah. Um, I like the concept of the Surface Pro um, a lot. Uh, but, I mean, 1200 bucks really? a t I don't like the concept. I, I don't think a tablet can make a good laptop, and I don't think a laptop can make a good tablet. I think they're meant to be separate devices. It's two I different use cases. I just don't see it. I, you like OneNote and the pen interface more than you like it as a laptop, though, right? I mean, it's not absolutely. about the... No, yeah. the, I, but to be perfectly honest, um, I, you know, I start looking at what I'm doing these days, and... Um, I'm not writing a whole lot, and the only time that I really think I need a laptop versus a tablet is when I'm writing. So if I'm if I'm writing a blog post or, um, you know, a memo or, um, God forbid, our technology plan, um, you know, or something where you have to type a lot, um, a, a tablet is is actually okay. Um, if I'm doing yeah, yeah. But how many computers do you have access to? You've got a. Oh well. Could you just carry a tablet around all day? Um. Or use it all day and and I, and give up your desktop times however many you have and your laptop times however many you have and your Chromebook times however many you have sitting in your office. I know you're an IT guy, Mike. You got devices everywhere. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of them are just you know we get them, we play with them, um, and then I give them out to other people to play with, but, um. You know, my personal collection is uh, a laptop and a desktop computer, which could 
realistically be the, the same thing. And, and when the desktop dies, they will be. Um, it's nice to have a large display if I'm looking at, you know, spreadsheets or, you know, budget sheets or something like that. So um, there's a utility to having a larger display. But, I mean, let's be honest, the processing power of a laptop these days is, is well, way, way over what we need. Oh, yeah. yeah. Desktops yeah, I, are dead. I've, I've said it for a long time. Desktops died in the 90s. We haven't figured it out yet. And the only place is, where it doesn't matter is like real high-end stuff like high-end video editing and that right. kind of stuff. Well, and even some of that you can do on some of the higher-end laptops. My right. issue is I'm still a dual display kind of guy, and, and because I do sysadmin type stuff every once in a while, um, I, I like having the two big monitors, which a laptop right. don't drive right now. So. Yeah, and see, in, in my world, my guys don't let me do sysadmin stuff, but they both have dual well, monitors. They're smart, and they know you don't know how. <laughs> um, so I got off. I got us off track. But from a from a teacher choice perspective, the the, the couple of the issues I have with that one, I think it, I I like the idea. Um, I think implementation is difficult in an environment where you're you're trying to standardize professional development support. Um, yeah, but teacher the expectations, classroom expectations. But the support and the PD that we're standardizing on um, really is centered around cloud-based sort of environments. So anything with a browser is fine with me. Um, you know, if 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 it's a Chromebook, if it's a Ubermix device, if it's a Windows device, all it needs is a Chrome browser, and I'm happy. But um, let me okay. So, but for the teacher who's got a classroom full of Ubermix devices. Let's say they pick a Chromebook. Yeah. Their environment's different from the kids, even though it's web-based. And that's a good point. And right now, their environment's different than a kid um, because the teachers, by and large, have Windows devices unless we've retasked them to run Ubermix. I mean, I, I if if I were the grand poobah and I could mandate things, I, I would mandate the teachers using Ubermix because then they do have the same environment as a kid. Um but even even at that point, um, you know, I've seen teachers just pull a spare laptop out of the cart um, or grab a kid's laptop, um, you know, and connect it to a display. And yeah, but if 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 you are talking about your device choice being based on money, and you've decided that the the device for kids is an Ubermix device, beyond what what more does a teacher need? beyond Ubermix Nothing. that you wouldn't just provide them an Ubermix device, especially because you're most likely going to be looking at a Windows machine or a Chromebook. And right. having the Chromebook seems a little limiting to me as far as knowing what an Ubermix device can do. For um, the same money, essentially. I mean, by the right, time you the, buy a Chromebook yeah. um, and, and you get the management console, um, which yeah, is put these out in any significant quantities. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you're talking so, the same price. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just say Ubermix device plus iPad mini? If everything's web-based anyway, does it matter what the underlying operating system really is as long the as they got a Chrome browser? The pushback that I get from teachers is that they're using some resource materials, um, CDs and DVDs from textbook publishers, other stuff that requires a Windows or a Mac uh, operating system in order for them to access it, and it's important to them. So if I mandated Ubermix, 
um, there's a there's a good chunk of teachers that would be really upset. Um, and all that material I, is Common Core aligned and ready to go and absolutely not viable for the classroom and current. well. Uh, now you're putting me on dangerous ground because <laughs> you know that I think all of that stuff is not current. All right, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I guess my point is every, at some point some, everything becomes legacy and you have to make the decision. Are you going to make the move into the, the future or the current world? And, and if you do that, you're going to lose some stuff. Mac, Mac was big on this, right? Apple used to basically every five or six years they would make you throw out all your old stuff and get new stuff. Right. Um, and it seems like we're we're almost getting there now because if if a teacher is holding on to something that is that is a window based application um, that is five six eight ten years old, moving forward, chances are Windows isn't going to support that very well now. I mean, we we struggle with trying to support some of that older software even now that we're moving off of XP because a lot of it hasn't been updated or teachers don't have the updated versions, right? They're still running the version from 2002 or whatever. Right. So and, and you said DVD or CD. I mean, we're looking at computers that don't even have DVD or CD drives. Yeah, and we are too. So those teachers that, you know, insist on having that kind of stuff, they're going to have to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, my take on it is there's so many resources available now on the web. Um, right. And really, you want teachers to have the same access to the same resources. You want to be looking at platforms like Guru and other learning management systems or, or content management systems where teachers right. are building shared curriculum or even just Google Docs, Google Classroom, whatever you want to put them in, where all of this stuff can live and be accessible on the web, not tied to a desktop somewhere or a, or a laptop because that's where it's always been. I think we need, to move, we need to start moving to the cloud, no question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that does, you know, that takes time. It. I was a huge advocate when I left Legrand of um, providing resources and time over summer to start migrating those kind of uh, that content into an online repository. Kind of like yeah. you know, you, you build you build demo lessons, you build, you provide content and resources, you curate it, you make it available. And you you have teachers sharing, and I, I think that's the world that we're living in now. Um, unless you're a district that's decided that you're going to adopt, you know, the whatever latest and greatest curriculum's been slapped, uh, had that Common Core label slapped on it, um, and that's the route you're going to go. But I think even with that, most of the stuff that's coming out now is either web-based or at least in a PDF format, and and hopefully isn't going to be tied to a particular operating system anymore because that's very obsolete. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. I, you know, I've said before that the, the web is the next OS, um, and I still believe that firmly. Um, I just don't know that I'm ready to mandate that with people that are a little reticent to step that far out. So if I leave them with a Windows machine um, and let the rest of the world migrate to the web, they can still get all those resources and stuff out of it, and they'll right. sort of self-extinct what they've got. The next round of refresh, which will be in, you know, three or four years, um, I, I, frankly, I, yeah. I think what we're going to see is some variant of the concept that Microsoft has with the Surface. Um, Acer's got a similar 
convertible tablet sort of model. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a very small, flexible, portable device that is more tablet than computer. Um, well, that's going to require a, a rework of everything that we do. I mean, the, the, the web as we know it and content and apps as we know it today, we're never, we're, we're, the majority of them were not built for a tablet interface. And, and, and the web still has not been built for a tablet interface. So right. I think we're still going to be in that transition period. I, I just don't. In the you next, think four years from now? You know, four years is a long time in tech world, so maybe. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I see it this dual. I don't. I just don't see the transformer type devices taking hold. They've kind of flopped. Nobody's really been able to create a good one that I can tell that's cost effective because they're trying to make one device do two things. You know, even Windows 8 was right. a response to that, and it doesn't really do either thing well. So, um, yeah, no, I I think, you know, for you, the safe bet would be, you know, provide teachers with a, a Windows laptop that you can over, Uber mix whenever you want. Which is exactly what we're talking about doing. Yeah. So um, get get a Windows device that we can easily Uber mix. Um, push for Ubermix to match what the kids get. Um, but if they insist on Windows, uh, you know, I, I don't want to have that battle. Um, let, them, let them do it because yeah. we're still making a concerted effort to move as much to the cloud as we possibly can. So at that point, we're really OS agnostic. Right. Um, you know, there, there are no critical applications that we've got right now that are dependent on an operating system. Right. Yeah, and that's really my my push too is to move to an OS agnostic environment. Um, but I'm looking at providing a platform for teachers that is standardized and we can support. So the interesting thing about moving to Chromebooks, which is something that I inherited, um, which I probably would have done, or some I don't know. It's a whole nother discussion. But moving to Chromebooks you, is interesting because would. it's you wouldn't have gone to Chromebooks. You, you well, would went, have gone with Ubermix. I went iPad in my high school district. So yeah, you did. But you, um, I remember that conversation too, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't your decision. That was after the fact as well. Um, yeah. But I think because it's a Chromebook environment, you you actually as long as you can run a Chrome browser somewhere, you you basically share that environment. So it's less of a yeah and a different environment. And you can do other stuff um, because there still are some OS dependent sort of applications out there. You know, uh, well, I mean, you brought up Minecraft, right? And yeah, Minecraft and see, Minecraft is the biggest. And this is, yeah, this is where I'm really struggling with. With so, I guess I should share now, right? So my my district, I've been there five six months now. Um, traditionally, a Mac district. Um, I think got into Chromebooks primarily because, um, you know, the, the testing was coming up. It was an affordable device and they had been using Google apps. So it makes sense in, in that context, as well as with some iPads out there um, spread across different grade levels. And Chromebooks are great. They, they're really easy to support. They're really cost effective. They integrate well with Google apps. But now we have something like Minecraft that comes along, and, and I can see the, the real educational value in it. 
I can see how it really addresses Common Core and, and the ideas of critical thinking and, and just basic computer skills and the ability to, to use a computer to do something that kids are engaged with that's also teaching them how to use a computer, mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Um, and it's not just Minecraft. I mean, we've got robotics clubs or gate programs, or actually we're going to have a robotics class at both of our middle schools next year. They're going to need uh, some way to interface with, say, Lego Mindstorms or, you know, some kind of programming interface. Chromebooks right. won't do that. Um, yeah, and so, so you know, and, and again, we, we also run um, a couple of engineering or STEAM STEM classes, and they're running Windows laptops because that's required for the software that they're running. Right. Um, because they're doing, you know, industry standard AutoCAD and um, um, Trex programming. I forget what the, the actual programming language or, or devices are. It's beyond Lego Mindstorms. And um, right. so you, you look at the limitations of a Chromebook and having had experience with Ubermix and knowing how easy it is to support and how it's, it's basically as easy to support as a Chromebook. But right. then you, you gain the ability to run Java. You gain the ability to actually have local applications running so you're not 100% dependent on the web. Mm -hmm. um, Cost-wise, they're about the same. And I'm, I'm actually thinking that um, probably function-wise, uh, you know, if the hardware is going to hold up, you probably get more functionality out of it. I'm not sure. You know, Chromebooks are too new to know how long they'll actually last as viable machines, although... I did run across a classroom where I saw an original CR48 still being used by students. Uh, really? It had still been getting updates. And Google just announced uh, a change from a three-year support cycle for Chromebooks to a five-year. Yeah. Slid it out some, which yeah. was pretty important. Um, yeah, because it's, 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 not, it's, not the, the, it's not three years from when you get it. It's three years from when the manufacturer originally nope. releases the model. Yeah. Um, which means if you were still buying Chrome Samsungs today, you'd, you'd only have about a year left. Uh, a year, yeah. yeah you think that would make scary. a bunch of people uh, a little bit angry? Yeah, probably. So to me, what I'm rather, and, and this, I don't know, I don't know how I square these two different decisions, but to me, I'm looking for a student environment that is platform agnostic and, and we're going to run whatever and wherever um, the platform makes sense. So, for example, if we have our engineering classes and they have to run AutoCAD Inventor, we're going to have computers in there that will run AutoCAD Inventor. Which is a Windows software. Which is a Windows application. Now, are those computers going to be the same computers that we run in the computer lab and we want to do one-to-one -one with? No, because right. they're very expensive. They run Windows, which has a huge support overhead, um, and they're, they're not very portable. So it just doesn't make sense to have that be our, our mainstream computing platform. Um, right. Similarly, are we going to put tablets everywhere? Um, no, because, you know, especially with Common Core in third through eighth, typing is a big deal. And I know there are places out there that are doing Common Core on, on iPads and they've got their Bluetooth keyboards and their hardware keyboards. But, again, um, the other issue with uh, tablets or specifically iPads, is they're a one-to-one -one device. They were meant for one student to use and be assigned and, and keep. They're not shared devices. So for a general purpose computing platform that's kind of used every day by multiple people, I think Chromebooks make a lot of sense. Um, the Chromebox is really intriguing to me. 
um, for an environment where you have kids um, and you want to be one-to-one -one with them and you want them to have total control of the device and to be able to experiment and play and, and learn about computing at a fundamental level, Ubermix is the perfect device because kids can reset it themselves or teachers can reset it themselves and they have full access to the device. Well, it's a really good device with no internet because you can still use it when you don't have internet access. And ultimately, so, we want the kids to take these things home, right? And yep. at that point, it has to be a personal device. Right. So I really see, I, I, I see, I'm trying to build an infrastructure and an environment where we can support any and all devices. Right, which is exactly but, the same approach that we've taken. Right. But then have an understanding of what each device actually requires to support. Because obviously, if you're going to decide to deploy 2,500 iPads, that's a much different decision or discussion than deploying 2,500 Chromebooks or 2,500 Uberx devices or 2,500 Windows laptops. Um, and so I'm looking for, at this at scalability, to, in my mind, it's a Chromebook or a, or a Ubermix Uber. device because you can right. scale it. At targeted deployments or targeted use, I can see tablets having a use specific to whatever the task is that you're going to use it for in certain circumstances, just as I see the Windows machines being used in certain circumstances. But I don't know that I would make the decision to make that the, the default platform of choice. No, in fact, I, I think the converse is where I, I would gravitate, and that is I would make the decision not to have that be the platform of choice for all of the reasons that that you've outlined. I mean, mm -hmm. they're tremendously difficult and time-consuming to support and deploy. They're um, they're no cheaper. Um, you know, you, more expensive. Well, yeah, except now Microsoft's going to give you the OS for a dollar, so you know that that licensing overhead is going to be less. But uh, who knows how long that's going to last? It, it's, I think. Well. The other challenge to running multiple platforms in this way, which I'm, I'm starting to think about, is identity and net, network services. Because, you know, for a managed Windows environment, it really relies on Active, Active Directory and accounts. AD, right. For Google Chromebooks, it really relies on Google apps. Um, for iPads, it relies on um, Apple IDs and, you know, the whole Apple ecosystem. And for Ubermix, it's a it's a local account that you can kind of script on the back end if you want. Yeah, but, we do it with all that. But um, you know, at the end of the day, none of those, if you're if you're heading towards the cloud, none of those are as important as they were five years ago or ten years ago. I um, would agree, except that for some of the platforms, if you want to have any semblance of um, user state. You have to address it, right? the the only The only area where you don't have to worry about account management or on the device itself is if you're just using Google Apps and that's your your platform of choice because it's in the cloud. And in which case, it'll work across all the different devices that I just mentioned, right. and your stuff will be on all of those different devices. Your experience may be a little bit different across those devices, but your stuff will be there, and you can be you on those devices. But if you really want to leverage the power of an iPad you have to go beyond that and you have to look at using apps which store data locally, which means that that iPad is now a personal device. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, same, same with a windows machine, unless you're going to go through and start doing, you know, all the fancy, um, 
syncing your account to network share and all that stuff, which is a lot of management overhead that people really don't want to get involved with unless they're like super uber IT people. And, you know, it just adds that level of complexity to the whole proposition. Same with the Mac side, you know, I mean, so all of those things really come into play where we're in this environment now where um, I think we're kind of in a transition from the point where devices don't matter as much as the cloud. um, But, and, but yet we're still kind of dealing with these legacy environments that do try to tie you back to an individual user device with yeah. an account. And so um, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is other than I'm just building a flexible infrastructure. And the identity oh. piece, we're trying to wrap everything around Google Apps because that makes the most sense. Yeah. And it... Um and and it really is, the, in my mind, the, the most rational starting point. Um, and the beauty of that is it's completely cloud-based. It's device agnostic. All you need is a browser. You can do it from your smartphone. Um, you know, so if you start from there, um, all of those arguments are, are true, but they really become almost exceptions or outliers in terms of what the norm is going to be. The average user... Um, could probably get by with any of those devices quite nicely because the average users, pretty much their entire world is going to be cloud-based. Um, yeah. What we see in terms of Ubermix is um, there are some applications, um, you know, the ability to, to code, uh, for example, the ability to do robotics, the ability to, to um, have the kids get involved with Minecraft. You know, those are those are big deals, um, and and there's a lot of pedagogical logic to embracing that kind of stuff. But it's still an outlier. Every single kid needs Google Docs, right. um, but not every kid is using Minecraft, and not every kid is in a robotics program, and not every kid is doing CAD or, right. um, you know, 3D printing or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, but but. Every kid owns their device in, in a way that's not possible with any other device on Ubermix because they can be root user, super user, you know, yep. Uber admin, and and basically customize that thing, dig under the hood, yeah, program and, code, yeah. and we have settings, blow things away. We have know. third graders that are doing that, right, um, and they love it. And that, to me, takes us back to the days when, you know, we used to learn how to programming in computer class. And we used to actually dig into what is, what, how does a computer work? And I, so I think it's these well, two different the, philosophies the, on. The difference is that you and I got in trouble for hacking devices. Um, right. And now, now we're encouraging kids to do it because the device can be reset. If they blow it up, it doesn't right. take somebody several hours to restore it because we got into the registry and did something we didn't really understand right. at the time. I think those skills that kids are practicing when they're doing that are, are exactly the kind of common core skills that we want to reinforce. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And, and that's and why by we want to. Yeah, exactly. And by, but by moving to environments, you know, Chromebooks and iPads are a completely different philosophy. Those, those, yep. those devices are meant to be um, controlled lockdown environments that only get you to do what they want you to do. Yeah. Versus the Ubermix environment being completely open and, and based on open source, it can be whatever you want it to be. 
And so those yep. are two very different philosophies. And, and I know this, this philosophical discussion doesn't get talked about, right? In school education, we're educators. We really should be looking at this from an educational perspective yeah, and, and a pedagogy perspective. But when we talk devices, what we're really looking at is we, we kind of look at it from an IT support perspective. We look Cost at it from a curriculum perspective, right? What, how's it going to support the existing curriculum or the, the curriculum right. that we want to deliver? The cost perspective, what's it going to cost us to implement? Personal well, preference, what, is, what does the IT department prefer support-wise or, or what are people comfortable with yeah. versus looking at it from the perspective of how are we going to actually teach kids to, to know what it is to be using a computer, to understand what it does, how it works, why it works. Our whole lives now are, are, are governed by these devices. And well, we they're don't... certainly integrated with them, and, and, and that's what we see with the kids. You know, we, we finished up our first year of having one-to-one with our students, and it's absolutely astounding what sort of things these kids have done with those devices. But to walk into a classroom, and see a kid without giving it a second thought to reach across, pull his device and open it up and do something, you know, Google something, write something, share something, check an email, whatever, and then close it and put it away and, and continue working on some non-computer-based project. It's completely integrated itself with virtually no training. I mean, we we didn't really teach the kids, here's your device. We just said, Here's your device, right. um, and and they just kind of figured it out, and you know. Well, if you if you think about how how do you use devices today? I mean, I've I've been thinking about why don't why don't we just give every kid a um, a smartphone? I mean, that that's ninety percent of what I do every day. You can on, do on a smartphone. You can do on a smartphone. And if you had a good streaming device that um, would would stream like the Nexus Five, by the way, the Google phone, <laughs> yeah. but. You know, so you can stream it to a uh, uh, to a large yes. monitor. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then so to me, it's like okay, so the the prim- my computer my primary computing platform is my phone um, on that yeah. tiny display, and most of what I do is look stuff up. Contrast that with, and I think coming from high school, this is what I saw: computing is still viewed for in many instances. A lot of teachers' perceptions of computing is I'm going to have kids do research and I'm going to have them write a paper. You know, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much what computing represents, even even now. Whereas, you know, a kid with a smartphone connected to the internet um, can do so much more than that. Well, and what we're seeing smartphone the the limit is what being able to write the paper, but you can do that anywhere. You can go but we're seeing that. we're seeing kids where the primary focus of what they're doing on the machine is creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in modes where they can share it with others. Um, and uh, I, I've, I've just been absolutely astounded by the level of sophistication that even these young kids that have never used these devices before. Um, we, did a, we did a project with Arizona State where a bunch of engineering types helicoptered in and they were t- taking a look at how kids solved math problems. Um, and when they were gone, uh, a bunch of third graders asked their teacher if they could write thank you notes. Um, well, and the teacher, of course, said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So everybody wrote a thank you note. I got videos. I got uh, Google presentations. I got uh, Google Draw. 
the the number of ways that these kids created their little thank you notes for the folks at ASU was absolutely incredible. It wasn't everybody get out a piece of paper and you know draw something up. Kids well, were totally not, free to do whatever they thought was best. Right. It's um, not everybody doing the same thing. It's everybody right. doing it yeah. their way. So yeah. And I guess, you know, for content creation, that makes, you know, having a device, desktop, laptop, whatever it is, makes perfect sense. Yep, um, totally. You don't do that every day. You don't do that all the time. You're not creating all the time. There's this balance between, you know. Yeah, looking stuff looking up, stuff up curating, reading, curating, and then yeah, creating. All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't carry around my laptop all the time because I'm not creating all the time, right? I'm not actively doing right. that. Um I think the power of having the internet at your fingertips is, is the critical piece. That's why I really, I don't know. I don't devices right now. I, again, I think we're, we're kind of in this weird transition stage where the concept of computing is changing and, and I don't know what it'll look like in four years. I didn't, nobody knew that we were going to have tablets four years ago. So it's all still very new, but um, the amount of computing power that's, that you can carry around now is just astounding. And um, so anyway, that's, I think f from my perspective, looking at devices um, for students, and I've said this before, I don't think there's a bad device. If you get a kid a device and it's connected and, and they can use it to learn, that's the important piece. Right. Um, you know, we have these discussions because we're talking about, well, what's sustainable, what can we afford? You know, um, what do we want them to do with it? And those are all good good discussions to have. But I, I think the important piece is to get every kid a device. Well, if that's $120 Acer tablet because that's all you can financially budget, then great. Um, same thing with teachers. You need a connected device too. The, the problem with the $120 Acer tablet is the ecosystem. Um, and that's kind of what we're struggling with right now. Well, um, Internet and Google Apps. Isn't that enough? It no, um, not for kindergartners apparently. Um, you know, the tablets are app devices, and getting the apps, finding the apps, having a place to go. You know, well, if you go to this is my this is my complaint. Um, and and I think complain on the show, Mike. It's not allowed. Okay, then then this is my uh, this is my issue, my my bitch. Um, and and I actually talked to Google about this because I think they're missing the boat. Um, you know, you go to any educational technology conference and you're going to find a plethora of sessions talking about integrating iPads. Find a session talking about integrating an Android device into a classroom. You know, nobody does that. You got to go to a Google summit and then maybe you'll be lucky to find one. I've been to a Google summit and they weren't there. The Google Summit, they had iPads, but they didn't have, it's, there's no Android devices. And I, I talked to somebody Google from Google, and, yeah, and they said, well, you know, there's there's Google for Educators. And and she said, uh, we'll get you signed up. I'm still not signed up. Yeah, I've heard it's hard. I, I'm, I'm debating if I'm going to buy a couple tablets and get us into that ecosystem or not. I heard somewhere, somebody told me that pretty much every, all the top education apps on I, iPad you can now get on Android. Yes, I you can, but so they don't there. work the same. They're oh, there, the same. but you know, um, where do you go to see the gurus that are telling you it's this app in this way? 
Um, Do you not remember when four years ago when the iPad came out, Apple hammered education. There were there were um, iPad yes, workshops. Everybody was getting an iPad, going to workshops, downloading yeah. apps. You Which know, is, that's when the, I, you know, do you not remember when the Mac first came out? Apple I did the not, same thing. Sorry, I wasn't oh, okay. well, around. Let me, t let me yeah. tell you about back in the day. Um, you know, I mean, geez, I, I was, they even, they even let me be an Apple fellow. I, I, I was getting all kinds of stuff from Apple to make yeah. laser discs and oceanography stuff. And I mean, it was, it, Apple gets it. In terms of that, well, um, I think they get it to a point, you know. But they're they're pushing their closed iTunes U ecosystem that only kind of works in the iPad universe. They and, are, they and, are. And, but no, I, I mean, I'm who's not. using that? I mean, I, I I want an open platform if I'm going to be investing in developing content. It needs to run on as everything. Do I. As do I. Yeah, so. As do I. But I want a place where I can tell my teachers, okay, we're going to get you these $125 Android devices. Very nice seven-inch tablet, works great, robust, plenty of memory, plenty of processing power, every app that's available. We're going to give you this. But where do they go to learn how to use it? There, well, there's no session they have, anywhere. Apparently, they ha you have to teach them how to use it. Apparently. You'll have to build that cohort of yeah. Android tablet teachers. And which is going to be very professional development. Yeah, which is going to be extremely parochial because... <laughs> Everybody in the surrounding universe has a freaking iPad. I'm stuck. Well, I don't you, like you, it, but you you can jumpstart it by just buying all your teachers' Android tablets, and then you'll have to do PD. I happen to be it. on the board of an organization that could probably provide you PD for that, but I will not bring that up at this time. Um. Yeah. By the way, but shameless no, I, plug. If yeah. sign up for the Leadership Development Institute, there's only 30 people signed up so far. So, oh wow. I thought that was hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's so coming up. Nobody watches this, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> except for people in your district. I don't think people in my district know that I actually do these things. At least I hope they don't. Um, so, yeah, chicken and egg thing, right? I mean, it, it, it's. Right. I, I think to get momentum um, and, and to, to really go up against the Apple tide. Google should be doing more to promote their tablet and Google Play for education, but I haven't seen anything really related no, to it. They're and really that's... focused on Chromebooks. And honestly, I think Chromebooks took them by surprise in the education market. I don't think, I don't really think they they expected that to happen the way it did in education. Um, I think it was a, a factor, a couple of factors. One, a lot of districts waited to the last minute to do anything around SBAC planning. And two, and all they yeah, all they could afford was a Chromebook because yeah. nobody knew about Ubermix. Right. Um, well, there's there's a lot of districts out there using Ubermix. It's not. Oh like yeah. This. No, it's not a secret. But no. Chromebooks. Um, everybody went to Chromebooks. In fact, well, since nobody watches this show anyway, and uh, I'm actually looking at um, because we are going to run Minecraft in our middle school, at least one middle school, um, looking at doing Ubermix in the for the Minecraft cart, basically the cart that's going to run Minecraft because yeah. there really isn't a better option at this point. Ubermix is, is the perfect Minecraft kind of cart. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I totally agree. And you know, the, the benefit too is I'm not too concerned about which device we use realistically because these are three year devices and so much happens within three years that that turn of, you know, constantly kind of evolving. And, and this is where being in education technology is really interesting now. 
because I remember what 2005 doing a five-year plan and knowing that that plan was probably just going to stick for five years, right? I mean, it was not a lot changed. We were doing thin clients and desktops and maybe some mobile carts, whatever. Now everything has changed and it changes so fast that you have to constantly be reevaluating. So the, the device yeah. you, we standardize on this summer, I, I can guarantee you will not be the same device that we standardize next summer on. Yeah, and that I've jokingly told teachers, if you don't like the device that we just got for you, don't worry about it. Stick around. It's going to be gone pretty soon anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, kind of yeah, like the so, weather in North Dakota. Um, right. But the, um, the, the other thing that I think is interesting is that now we're at a point where the cost of these devices has sort of changed the landscape because um, they're cheap. I mean, they're commodities now. They're consumables. Um, yeah. it, it's it's not the thousand dollar investment that you had. It's a, you know two three hundred bucks, and you can call it a day. Yeah, and 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 realistically, and I was thinking about this for teacher computers too. Um, you know, I'm looking at we're going to get every teacher a MacBook upgrade because we're a Mac district. Teachers are used to Mac. Mm -hmm. We're throwing a lot of change. You know, we just migrated to Google email um, <laughs> last week, um, kind of unexpectedly, and but I can see you know over the next. This may be the last round of MacBooks that I buy for teachers because mm -hmm. I can see us moving to the point in four years where everything's going to be on the web and it's all going to be either, you know, you, you'll have a tablet of some type that'll do a decent job of, of content creation, even even in the tablet interface and surfing the web. Um, yeah, which is or, I, that's what I was saying. I, I, I honestly think that that's going to be the next device. Yeah, and, and Apple's kind of hitting at it, you know, with, with even with their iWork stuff being all web-based now. Um, you know, and there's rumors of a 12-inch either iPad or, or or MacBook Air kind of hybrid thing. Right. Um, I, I think I think this is probably going to be the last cycle of full-sized um, devices, or well, how should I put it? Not, I guess, I guess, um, fat clients. For teachers, for lack of a better yeah. better term, because I think yeah. the content creation for web web based tools is really going to just continue to get better um, over the yeah. next several years. And so, you know, uh, it's an it, it's it's kind of like wireless. You know, right now you can buy current gen, or you can wait a year and buy next gen, and it all depends on what you need right now. You know, you got to make your decision based on today and with an yeah. eye towards the future. So. Yep, planning and technology is very difficult. Well, but the safe the, the safe bet is no matter what you do, you you can recover quickly because whatever you buy is going to be obsolete in six months. So, yeah, even that fourteen hundred dollar MacBook Air <laughs> that better last my daughter all the way through college. <laughs> well, hopefully she'll get out in four years, and then yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> maybe five. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. And you know, we, how long we known each other, we've been talking devices for forever. It, it's a never yeah. ending conversation. And, you know, Apple keeps trying to hammer away at the whole, um, management issues associated with iPads and, and they've got some new stuff out. And I just, I talked to Mike uh, McBoo from Legrand yesterday, actually on a, we did a reboot ed, or not reboot ed, sorry, small school, big tech small podcast. School, yeah. 
he tried the new management stuff and it didn't work and he's rolled back to the old stuff. So there, there's, there's a continuous, you know, it seems like that it's a constant battle with trying to get that stuff to work. Um, Chromebooks weren't perfect. We, we had some issues with auto updating during the testing that kind of broke some things and we had to stop, hmm. stop the auto updates. And, um, luckily we were able to do that without having too many of them update, but, um, you know, all, all of these, you know, in that environment, another shameless plug for Ubermix. We had zero issues with devices during the whole SBAC fiasco. Mm-hmm. None. They were, yeah, yeah, they you were know, solid. They worked great. No problem. Once you've got your Ubermix image baked in, it's pretty much solid and ready to go. Yeah. My, my biggest concern with Ubermix is that it's, it's Jim Klein. And, um, if, if Jim Klein gets hit by a bus, we, we need to put a protective bubble. I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a protection detail going around him. Because yeah. if Jim Klein gets hit by a bus, or hits the lottery, um, we're all in a world of hurt. Well, hopefully, if he hits the lottery, he'll form the Ubermix Foundation and uh, and just do that as a philanthropic as a, effort. As a, as a yeah. philanthropic effort, and he'll he'll hire some programmers to kind of yeah to take over. But um. Yeah, that's my that's my biggest concern with with Ubermix, and and it it shouldn't. I mean, it, it's a valid concern, but it's it's open source, so it's not like it's it's 100 yeah. percent reliant on one person. Totally Somebody could source. pick it up, but um, beyond that, I I really like it as a platform. I've never been able to commit to it personally as a as an end user, um, which I, I can't even commit to a Chromebook, which says I don't know what about me, but. Um, well, just... I, you know, but I'm in the same boat, and and part of it is just being a gadget freak. I think um, I have I have committed to Ubermix for two weeks nonstop, and it was fine. It was great. But I use Mac OS. I use Windows. Um, I use other flavors of Linux. Uh, I committed to um, an Android tablet for two weeks. Um, and frankly, you know, like you said, they all work. Yeah. Um, they're all fine. And every one of them has little nuances that, well, okay, you know, I really like doing this thing on this environment. Um, uh, I mean, I love my MacBook Air, but it's the most expensive device I own. Yeah, it's, um, it's muscle memory, too, a lot of it. Because I remember when I first switched yeah. from Windows to Mac, there was a certain amount of, oh, i got to relearn how to do all this stuff. All but the, now what I'm finding is the, the the more I stay in Google Universe, the less I have to relearn because it's all pretty much the same. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Device is independent of it anymore. Uh, yeah. I will say this. My network engineer has been using a Chromebox for the last couple months, and he's he's doing probably 90% of his stuff he can do just straight off the Chromebox, and he just RDPs in a Windows if he needs to, which I thought was really interesting from the desktop perspective that he was able to make that switch so quickly hmm. um, and that, you know, most of what he needs is readily accessible, um, which just goes to, so, to show, I think, in my mind anyway, how far we've come because a lot of our tools are, are web-based. You know, it used right. to be you had to install an application to manage everything. Now you just remote into a server where it runs or you just go to the web because it's all web-based. So right. I can definitely see the writing on the wall. Where that leaves us today, well, I'm probably still going to be buying Chromebooks and iPads and hopefully some Ubermix devices. And then the next big discussion I got to find out, I got to figure out is, do I replace the labs with mobile devices or do I replace the labs with fixed devices, at least for our transition period? Uh, 
Chief, and I keep saying we're done with desktops, and then a principal turns around and buys a whole refresh for his lab. They're um, allowed to do that? You let them do that? How's that happen? Um, well, because, you know. Where's, I, where's I, the big IT denied stamp that you run <laughs> through? You don't get all the technology POs across your desk? I do get all the technology POs across the desk, and and you know we have the conversation, and he insists that he's got uses for the lab still, and I say, okay, fine, well, it's your money. Well, I am I am happy to say that with the exception of one program that we are told will be web-based in August, we can go 100% web-based and, and not run Windows anymore. Our labs are actually running end computing, which has been a nightmare. Uh, yeah, that's that's a whole technology that just kind of ran over itself and died. Yeah, well, it's dying on us right now. So it's, that's my, my dilemma is: do I do I go in and and put in because that's VDI with one lung. I mean, right, <laughs> half a lung. Um, yeah. My dilemma is: you know, within three years, every kid's going to have a device, and and possibly we'll have more. You know, we'll have a couple multimedia stations a couple tablets in the classrooms as well as a personal device for every kid. The, the library lab or the media lab is not going to really be what it's used for now for sure. For, um, so then what does it become? But because we're in this transition over the next three years, we kind of still need the lab, but the end computing stuff needs to be replaced because it's actually a huge percentage of our support issues right now. Um, the dilemma I'm facing, actually, it, it kind of, the decision kind of makes itself for me, but, you know, the the labs that we have, they were built for 20 stations and they have 30 to 40 running in them. So oh, they've yeah. crammed them with, you know, makeshift desks, makeshift wiring, which is another one of the big headaches that we have. Um, so all of those problems, by pulling all of that out and putting a mobile cart in there, that kind of goes away, right? Because we don't have the power issues, we don't have the cabling issues, we don't have the space issues, they can right. use them however they want. Much more flexible environment. Right. A so, more workable space. Yeah. So I'm really leaning towards that model, I think, um, yeah. in the short term. And then and if I were Grand Poobah, that's exactly what I would be doing. But that being said, um, it's just not worth falling on that sword, you know, in terms of you know, fighting with a principal who still has a vision for what they can do. And interestingly enough, a, bi a big portion of what they want to do with the labs, which are already a sunk cost, they already exist, um, so he's just refreshing the computers that are in them, uh, is family literacy. He wants to bring families in at night. Um, and, and that's, that's cool, fun. but why, can't, yeah. why couldn't you do that on a laptop? Absolutely or? you could. Absolutely you could. No yeah, question so about it's it. Just, it's just conceptualizing change and having that discussion and, 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 and realizing that everything you want to do, you can do. It's just looking at it maybe slightly differently. Right. Um, you know, my, my, my ultimate goal is to get to a place where we kind of have this space in, in these learning commons where uh, we have these, these um, centers where groups of students, maybe groups of three students or four students can go and have a really, you know, a multimedia powerful computer because they're going to have their kind of lightweight device with them, mm -hmm. you know, Chromebook, Ubermix, whatever, tablet, but that they can go into the, learnings, the learning commons 
go to a computer station that's maybe an iMac hanging on the wall or, or you know, maybe it's a powerful Ubermix desktop hanging on the wall and, and do more, right, in that group collaborative environment. Right. Yeah. So they can actually do hardcore video editing in a, in a group setting or um, have that conversation or have that, you know, even even today on a, on a $200 tablet, you can Skype somebody across the world. You don't really need a, a fancy desktop to do it. So it's really more about those computer-intensive applications yeah, where processor you know, 3D design, apps. processor-intensive stuff, 3D design, yeah. serious video editing. Right. And, you know, unless you have a specialized class, I really see those as more kind of group activities where you're working on projects collaboratively together versus right. every kid in the class is going to go do this now. So we'll see. I mean, it's just, it's, it's evolving. It's evolving rapidly. Um, yeah, if nothing else, it's a fun time to be in ed tech. It is. It definitely is. So um, let's see. We probably didn't solve anything today, and we took a while to get in. We always take a while to get into our conversation. Well, it's, it's a reboot ed. We, ne we never solve anything. We never come up with any answers. That's true. And the reason why nobody watches is because it takes us like 30 minutes to get to something interesting. <laughs> People fall asleep do. before we get, we get right. down. we got to work on that. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, all right. Well, do you got anything else you want to add? Do you want to talk anything else about devices at all? No, I, I think we've pretty much covered it. We've agreed that Google needs to get on the bandwagon in terms of Android tablets. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, I mean, they should be running uh, Android tablet and education summits or workshops or something. Yeah. And let's see, we agreed that... Um, it's an Uber mixed world, but there are a number of very acceptable second place devices. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I will say yes to that. Only because uh, I've used Uber mix and it is awesome. And um, until we get to a hundred percent web based world, I think it's, there's definitely a place for it until yeah. everything is completely cloud based. I agree. In which case, none of us will understand how computers work, and computers will be designing themselves and, and just giving us... Well, the, then it'll be in your glasses and woven into your clothing. Right. Um, so. It'll be that the day made of glass video. If you haven't seen that one, you should search YouTube yes. for a day made of glass. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think you know we agreed that having an agnostic platform environment where... We kind of wrap everything around Google Docs makes a lot of sense or Google mm -hmm. Apps. So, and if you don't have Google Apps in your district, I'm sorry. Probably means your IT folks don't understand what that's all about. It's unfortunate, but what are you going to do? That's true. That's a, that's a place where um, the second place applications really are not acceptable. But I think that's a whole nother podcast. Maybe we should talk about that at some point, too. Yeah. Why Google Apps? Yeah. I will just say because. Okay. So <laughs> um, you can find Mike at Volmert805 on Twitter. I'm at Another Schwab. Um, I blog at, what is my blog? AnotherSchwab.com. Mike, you're at RioSchools.org. You, you haven't set yours up yet. Uh, it's set up. Okay. Yeah. Um, What's it called? Um, MikeBalmer.wordpress.com. Okay, so people can go check that out for words of wisdom uh, from the Grand Poobah. And um, this yeah. is Reboot Ed. 
we'll be back uh, with a guest, perhaps, uh, at some point in the future. We're going into our busy summer period, so things are getting interesting. Um, but appreciate you watching, listening, viewing, however you find us. We are at www.podcast.com. Show. We'll see you next time. Music by Kevin McLeod.